Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, September 16th, 2016. And today we are reading from the Big Book. We are in the chapter Working with Others, and we are on page 100, the very last paragraph. Two paragraphs will be read the first time. And today's readers are The Twelve Steps, Renee C. Twelve Traditions, Naomi B. The share ID for yesterday, Thursday, September 15th, is 9081. And then our... Nine zero eight one, and then our text readers for today are Du L, Nadia B, Nancy H, and our newcomer greeter is Janice M. OA preamble: Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Renee C. to please read the 12 steps for us this morning. Renee, you need to star one to unmute. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. This is Renee, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And here are the 12 steps of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics or compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you and I pass. Thank you, Renee C. I will now ask Naomi B to read the twelve traditions for us. Thank you, Monica. Good morning. Good morning, my family. This is Naomi B, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. The 12 steps, I beg your pardon, the 12 traditions. Let me turn the page, sorry. Okay, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself and our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except the matters affecting other groups of OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issue, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is our spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Working with Others, 
We are on the bottom of page 100. We will be starting with the last paragraph, assuming we are spiritually fit. Two paragraphs will be read. And uh, the first paragraph is for context only, and we will take comments on the second paragraph. And I will ask Duel to begin reading, please. Good morning. This is Duel, Recover Compulsive Overeater. It says, assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things alcoholics are not supposed to do. People have said we must go we, will, we must not go where liquor is served. We must not have it in our homes. We must shun friends who drink. We must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes. We must not go into bars. Our friends must hide their bottles if we're going to their houses. Um, we mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. His only chance for sobriety would be someplace like the Greenland ice cap, and even there an Eskimo might turn up with a bottle of scotch and ruin everything. Ask any woman who has sent her husband to distant places on a theory he would escape the alcoholic problem. And again, my name is Duell, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And I'm just going to set my timer. So um, here on the second paragraph, it says, you know, we can go anywhere and do anything um, as long as we're spiritually fit. You know, what does that mean? I'm connected to my higher power, and my higher power gives me the strength, gives me the ability to do the impossible. And it says the person, the alcoholic or the compulsive overeater who cannot meet those conditions still has an alcoholic mind. What is the alcoholic mind? Well, on page um, 42, it says that, you know, we do not have, we cannot, even though we raise a defense, it would, it would one day give away to some trivial reason for having a drink. Um, and what is the mental obsession? What is that mental blank spot? On page 23, it talks about it being the thought that one day the great obsession, a very abnormal eater, is that somehow, someday, they will beat the game. They will have their alcoholic binge foods. You know, and, and that is the, the spiritual malady, you know, that when I'm disconnected with my higher power, I keep having those thoughts around the food. I keep having those thoughts about, you know, the obsession of going back to those foods. And they're saying, I'm not going to meet those conditions. I'm not going to be able to go to these places. I'm not going to be able to be around my friends who drink or eat, you know, or be in these, in these situations. But if I am connected with my higher power, then I'm able to meet these conditions. And one of the things I was thinking about, even the geographical cure does not work with someone that has an alcoholic mind, right? Because they, they could go to Green Ice Cap and meet an Eskimo there, and instead of having a bottle of scotch, they'll have a fish, you know, and, and they'll have food, and, and they'll binge on their food, right? And, um, and I was thinking, you know, that a relapse, a relapse does not begin with the first bite. A relapse begins with a disconnect with God. You know, the food is the last thing to go. And, and so 
you know, when I am spiritually connected to my higher power, God is the one that enables me to be abstinent. God is the one that enables me to go through this program and get connected to be able to resist these things. But if I'm not connected with my higher power, I'm not connected in doing the steps, at this point in time, I should be living in 10, 11, and 12. If I am not doing my spiritual work and I'm not maintaining that daily reprieve, then I will eventually go to the food. I know it's happened. It's happened several times, and it will happen if I'm not doing the work, if I'm not maintaining my connection with God. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duel. And now we're going to open it up for those of you who would like to share on this first paragraph on page 101. Who would like to share? Hello. Oh boy, I don't think I got, I got, I heard two voices. I heard Raquel and I heard Larry. My pen is smoking here, y'all. Nancy Nessa, I got you, Nessa. Reva, Nancy, I got you. Okay. Rachel W. Reva, have you? Melissa Reva. Uh, wait a minute, Reva. There was somebody after Reva. Rachel W. Melissa. Rachel. Okay. And Melissa Rachel. Say. Melissa. Wait. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Whoa. Let's just stop here for now. <laughs> All right. Let me. This is what I got, y'all. <laughs> I got. Raquel, Larry, Leah D, Nessie R, Gail T, Tina S, Leah D, I think. Nope, got you twice. Nancy S, Reva P, Rachel W, and Melissa C. Did you uh, get Nessie R, Monica? Did you get Nessie R? I did, way up there, like number four. Okay. Well, so Raquel, you're, okay. Raquel, you're first, and then Larry, you're next. Hello. I think I heard Raquel. Yes. Go ahead, Raquel. Raquel. Hear me okay? Yes. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Monica, for your wonderful, loving service. And hello to all my dear family there. It's like a party. All these people coming in the door. You know, we, we want to be together. We want to share. Well, I I am here in the house in, in, in Massachusetts with my daughters. And I'm in the basement and reception. Thank goodness is is okay with uh, some people in Israel, but with you all is wonderful, wonderful. Even some a person from our group came to visit me here, and it's it's beautiful. But um, these these paragraphs by themselves, if we stayed on it for a whole year, I think we wouldn't be able to really um, fathom all the 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 deep messages and importance of what is here. Because really, assuming we are spiritually fit, oh boy, oh boy. So if my spiritual fitness comes to me through the the um, uh, through the <clears throat> spiritual awakening, um, that is the the educational type, the slow educational type, then I am even more tested every day. I I did. I wasn't lucky and I'm not lucky to have had this big, big bang of, uh, you know, 
from one second to the next, my feet grasping another soil. It's developing. I'm grateful it is developing. But I am here for the first time at somebody else's table, and I managed, really managed, in, I, I arranged for myself a Greenland cape uh, of snow by not eating at anybody's house for seven years, nine months, and five days. Now I'm in here in a place where there's an anorexic little girl who is on her fourth hospitalization, and she'll come home for Saturday, and there's a combination lock on the pantry. And I think to myself, my God, in how many ways these eating disorders manifest themselves, and how this daily reprieve every day that I'm here in this beautiful basement so beautifully equipped with everything. It's like a like a five-star hotel, but it's so easy for me to go up the stairs, and I know the combination to the pantry, you know, and I'm so I, I'm here, and who is doing it for me? It's God. It's it's my higher power, you know, and they are not as observant as I am. And if everything is not ready for the Sabbath, then I'll have carrots the whole Sabbath. So what? So what? But this precious thing, my daily reprieve, you know what the daily reprieve is? The translation in Hebrew, I think, is better than in English. It's a postponement of a death sentence. It's when they come to a, a, a person convicted who has to go to the electric chair and they say, it's not going to happen today because we have no electricity. We'll see about tomorrow. So, Time. Yeah, you know, my friends, you're keeping me alive. Seven to nine. It's not two to four like in Israel, but I'm here with you, and you are with me. And thank you, thank you, thank you for every single beautiful word and idea that is exchanged here. I love you all. I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Larry K., you're up, and then it'll be Leah D. Monica, thanks so much for your service. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, so, you know, we're getting a, we're getting a warning here that uh, if that alcoholic mind is still in play, you know, if we still retain that alcoholic mind, you know, there's, you know, it, it doesn't matter where we go <laughs> because, you know, wherever I went, you know, there I was. And so, too, I brought with me my alcoholic mind. Didn't matter how long I had been dieting, how long I had been abstinent. You know, um, I can remember a, a time when I, I was in program and I had been abstinent for, I don't know what it was, 30, 60, 90 days, some sort of benchmark that I was feeling very proud about and so forth. And I, I was going on vacation uh, to Arizona to a very healthy environment and staying at a, a resort that was kind of health conscious and you could rent the bikes and you can do this and there was a hiking and the whole deal, right? You can picture it. And I, boy, I had been abstinent. You know, if there was a coin, I had it, you know. Uh, but my alcoholic mind, see, I had not completed the practical program of action. I had not completed the program of action that would result in uh, recovery, that would result in the remission of this obsession. And so no matter how great I felt, what happened was I had all my food packed. Have you done that? Have you been there? You know, had everything weighed and measured. It was just perfect. And, you know, I went to this resort and um, with some friends, and uh, they had all healthy choices. Guess what? 
a heroin addict can find his heroin. And I did. I found my heroin. And I didn't find it in front of other people as they ate, ate with impunity or healthy or whatever they did, if they were normal, whatever they were, it was really none of my business. But I found a way to get to my heroin because my mind, the problem, remember, the problem we learn centers in our mind, not in our body as much. I mean, our body is, is, is uh, certainly we have the allergy of the body, but as long as we have that obsession of the mind, even if that appears to be uh, appears to be okay, you know, I think I got this thing. I think I got it licked. I think I could live like this forever. The fact of the matter is there will come some trivial reason, some trivial excuse. I don't care if you're at a, at a healthy resort. It doesn't matter. A heroin addict will always gravitate towards the heroin unless this obsession can be lifted. And that's what this program has done for me. It has lifted the obsession. The reason I don't eat today is because I don't want the food. I haven't, it's not that I've been taught how to not want the food. I don't want the food. That's why I don't pick it up. It doesn't matter where I go. Wherever I go, there I am. So very grateful for this program of action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And just a gentle reminder, if you're not speaking, please make sure that your phone is muted. All right. It'll be Leah D up and then Nessa R. Leah. Good morning. Thank you for your service. My name is Leah D. from Brooklyn. Um, I feel privileged to be able to get in a word. I feel like uh, it's just okay. Assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things. Um, I'm in the room 42 years, and I've only woken up to the recovery of the vision and you people 284 days ago. Over the years, I had six, seven, eight years of abstinence, but it was the kind of abstinence where I hid the bottle, I hid everything. You couldn't go near food, you couldn't stay near food. If a pea touched the food, you had to throw it out. It was something else totally. This recovery, as here written, I don't want it either. I don't understand. It's like, who am I and where did this come from? I feel like, like I'm like Dorothy who woke up in Oz. And I'm so grateful to understand that I have an answer now and a set of instructions that if I follow them earnestly with my guides, I can go anywhere and do anything and not, and not have the temptation to pick up. I am a chronic relapser. I was absent for the better part of seven years. I took a share in the summer home in the Hamptons. I opened up the closet after seven years, and my home didn't have a smattering. And it was like being in wall bounds, past Marco Piggly Wiggly. I couldn't stop. I took that first bite, and I think I really chased it until 284 days ago. That's the truth. The answer is here in this lovely book. And with you people... And I'm just so grateful to be here for today. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah D. And just a gentle reminder here that we are commenting on the first paragraph on page 101. And Nessa R., you're up, and then it'll be Gail T. Thank you, Monica. Um, thank you. Good morning. I've vision for you. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. You know, um, avoiding temptation may be uh, required in the initial stages of our journey, 
but it is not really very effective as a long-term solution uh, because we find temptation in the most unexpected places. You know, we had a, an OA meeting, my, my home meeting, uh, my face-to-face -face meeting this past Wednesday at a local community center in one of the activity rooms. You know, no food to be found um, anywhere in the room, but just behind me on the billboard, on the like bulletin board, um, there was a sign that said, the best cinnamon rolls. That's all it said, the best cinnamon rolls. Can it trigger somebody? Maybe, probably. But, you know, if we haven't recovered, if we are not um, on the journey to find um, a very close connection with the God of our understanding, you know, there's no avoiding temptation that can help us. And, you know, I had a, a, my very own example of that beautiful transformation that takes place when, when we work the steps. Um, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I picked up my daughter from school. You know, uh, no, you know, no place to like really find anything to be tempting. And <laughs> she walks in to my car with um, a cinnamon roll, and it smelled delicious. And I think I've shared this story before. And the, oh, immediately, my mind went to, you know, it would be great to have one of those. And if I had had an alcoholic mind, if I had still had an alcoholic mind, you know, I would have succumbed to that mental obsession and you would have had the first bite. And I would have awakened the allergy of the body, which would have then led me to a spree of more cinnamon rolls and God knows what else, uh, only to emerge remorseful the next morning, you know, full of fear, shame, guilt and remorse, and the firm resolution that this was not going to happen again. Um, you know, and then I would have started on yet another diet, another try at abstinence. But by the grace of God, um, through these steps, that didn't happen. Immediately, my mind went to, yes, Nessa, it would be nice to have one of those, but you, Nessa, cannot have just one. You would need a dozen. And then you need something else and something else and something else, you know, on your way to 300 pounds. So it would be nice to have one, but you cannot have one. And it ended there. You know, happily, my daughter enjoyed hers, and I didn't even have to fight with it. There was no temptation. There was only the truth that I cannot have even a smidget of a bite. And that is the transformation that um, results, of, uh, results from working this beautiful program of recovery as outlined in the big book. Uh, and the connection of God with God that ensues and keep us safe from anything and everything that once upon a time might have been tempting. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Gail T., you're up, and then it'll be Tina S. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica. This is Gail T. from Texas. Hi, want to talk into the distance between where we where I was and where I am now and what worked for me. In the beginning when I got into a certain program, I learned I had an 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 alcohol, alcoholic mind, but so what? I didn't know what to do with it. And so the education and the support system was that at our meetings, no X-rated foods were spoken about. I stopped watching TV because everything there would make me want to eat. 
and I don't know, there were other things. But anyway, there was a period of time, a long period of time, that I was away from, like I guess in a treatment center, that those X-rated things were not calling to me because they weren't present to me. At that time, I was not working the 10th step. So it was just a food-related thing. And then um, I would have these very small relapses and get back on the wagon. But when I found vision, that's when I learned about the 10th step. So what I what I have found in being with myself and other people, there's a big distance between being spiritually fit and sometimes how we come into the program. And that a newcomer or someone who relapses a lot may be really, really fear-based. And so I don't like to call them not spiritually fit, but they haven't learned yet how to look inwardly and then give it over to God. That it's just, I mean, there's a method here. It's just not like one day we come into vision for you and we become spiritually fit because we go through these hundreds of pages. It's really a lot of work and a lot of courage. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Gail. T, Tina S., you're up, and then it'll be Nancy H. Thanks, Monica, for your service. Uh, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Great stuff again. Um, I like what it talks about here. We meet these conditions every day, and that's certainly my experience. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. And I just love the previous share because I, too, when I first got here, you know, I, I had an alcoholic mind. You know, so what I was willing to do at the time to, was to get a sponsor and follow directions. And I had to take care of myself and stuff. You know, I had to let people be aware of what, what the changes I was making. You know, and, um, you know, and I don't know if they thought that I'd be following it, but, you know, I had people in my life at the time who, who were very supportive, and what a gift, what a gift, you know, and, uh, and over time, and working the 12 steps, again, what was already shared, you know, a, a psychic change came about, you know, and, uh, and, these, and, like, and these conditions do show up every day, you know, and, and today my spiritual fitness becomes my priority, you know, God either is or he isn't, you know, and I become empowered to do his work. You know, and carry the message of recovery. You know, it, it also tells me in the big book, and, and I truly, truly believe this, that, it, that there, there will come a time when I won't have a mental defense against this stuff. And that defense must, there's those, another one of those must, come from a power greater than myself, you know. And so if I am just floating around and don't have access to a power greater than myself, I'm screwed, you know. But through working the steps, you know, and cultivating a relationship, you know, today, more often than not, I have that um, pause, you know, and, um, you know, and it is, you know, it is a daily reprieve. And, you know, I got to do today what I did tomorrow so that I get the results that I had yesterday. And so with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Nancy H., you're up, and then it'll be Reva P. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, the Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, here it's saying that recovered people meet these conditions every day. And these are recovered people who have experienced the spiritual transformation. And they're given a daily reprieve on a, on a, you know, on a daily basis if they're in fit spiritual condition. 
So here they're also saying there's no such thing as the geographical cure. And at the top of uh, bottom of page 84, top of 85, they, prom they give us the promises that we receive as a result of doing the steps. So it says we recall from it like a hot flame if it should present itself. You know, we're going to be given a new attitude, and it's a miracle that we're not fighting anymore. We're just uh, placed in a position of neutrality. And uh, instead, the, you know, the problem's been removed. We're not, um, we're not in a war with the food anymore. And I know I went away for a weekend, and um, I brought food with me because I've been taught to do that. And that was great because I have it in case as a reinforcement. And I wasn't interested in anything that the menus had to offer that would be against my food plan. And it felt good to not feel completely obsessed with food. Um, I t had to take care of myself, and I had to be in fit spiritual condition. And if, you know, if I'm doing the 10th, 11th, and 12th step every day, um, that puts me in fit spiritual condition. It's my medicine. The steps are my medicine. And then I can go anywhere, and it's a gift. Um, I recall from certain food substances like I would. Um, I can rest, you know, I can't rest on my laurels, though. If I'm not in fit spiritual condition, I'm going to have that mental obsession it's not going to be taken away, and I'm going to want to eat. And I might or I might not, but eventually I will. Um, so it's easier, softer way for me to uh, keep God in all my decisions and work the steps in all my affairs and to keep in that 10th, 11th, and 12th step. And in our meetings, both of the meetings, the three meetings actually that I go to, there's a statement that says, um, please, foods can be mentioned here, but please, no elaborate descriptions. And I went along with that vote at one time before I was recovered, and now I feel as though it shouldn't be there because if a person comes to a meeting and doesn't have the spiritual reprieve and hasn't done the work, they're going to be tempted no matter if we say a donut or not. So um, I think overall that um, I'm just going to stay in fit spiritual condition one day at a time and ask God to keep me uh, aware that I have a daily reprieve and I'm not going to be able to just take it for, you know, do it for one day and then uh, expect it to be there all the time. So I'm very grateful for being able to share, and I thank you for your service, Monica, and with that I pass. Thank you, Nancy H. Reva P., you're up, and then it'll be Rachel W. Good morning. It's Reva P., Grateful, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. This paragraph reminds me that I have a twofold illness, the physical allergy can be arrested by abstinence only, but that's only half of the problem. And the other half of the problem is the mental obsession, which um, this paragraph has reminded me all my efforts at controlling my outside conditions, where I am, what's in the fridge, what's in the freezer, all the willpower is not going to work because those are externals and the problem is internal in my mind and I need to change my thinking. The only way I can change it is to work through the steps where I remove the blocks um, so that I can access a higher power and have this psychic change. Um, but it's also reminding me two other things. You know, the psychic change is not like I get to step 12 and I've arrived and I'm done. Um, it's really that daily reprieve that people just talked about. And I have to be constantly growing and stretching and whatever I did, you know, a year ago or a day ago or 10 years ago, 
doesn't always work for today uh, when it comes to spiritual um, work and progress and development. And, you know, there are days where I'm not so spiritually fit. And maybe those are days that I don't, I don't put myself in situations that might um, just be a little bit too uncomfortable. Not that I'm going to be um, wanting it, but it's just, you know, there are some days if I'm tired, angry, whatever, I've got to be a little bit more careful and work on my spiritual development before I put myself in a situation. And the other thing I wanted to mention that this raises a question for me, we had an issue at our uh, Wednesday night meeting this week where uh, people were mentioning specific foods um, in a lot of detail. And somebody who was just at the beginning stages of um, her abstinence or really struggling was really disturbed. So if this is also about working with others, yes, it's wonderful that I have the psychic change and I can go anywhere and not do the geographics. But if I'm working with others, um, you know, maybe I need to be a little bit more sensitive to where that person is at in the recovery process. And if they're not at that point, um, you know, I know there's temptation out there, and I don't know the answer to this question, but just to be a little bit sensitive um, to not maybe go into detail about specific food items um, when I'm with that person. Um, and um, I probably will be talking to other people to get other perspectives on that. But that's it, and I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Rachel W., you're up, and then it'll be Melissa C. Good morning, Monica. Thank you so much for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, calling from New York. You know, so far in these paragraphs, we've been reading the book has addressed the issue of working with a potential prospect and his family. So I've been given the ins and outs of how to navigate domestic problems, and um, I'm encouraged to learn from my own experience and give it over. And most of all, that, you know, I'm encouraged to convey that this is a personal program. This is not something I can give a person necessarily my own experience. Each one of us has their own higher experience with higher power, and it is a very personal experience. But now in these paragraphs, suddenly there's a shift. You know, the focus turns back to me, not as a sponsor, but as the addict. So I'm cautioned once again that I have to remain spiritually fit, and I'm told that no matter where I travel the globe, even in the Greenland ice cap, I need to work my spiritual tools to remain spiritually fit. Um, because even there an Eskimo pie might show up. And that's how I read the paragraph. But anyway, but the real issue isn't Eskimo pie or any other food. You know, the real issue is that, that I'm there, you know, and wherever I go, I am. And, and as Kim G says, you know, um, I can be triggered just by, by being from being awake. So, you know, this paragraph is reminding me that no matter where I go, or what I do, I wake each morning, no matter where I am on the globe, I have to wake up each morning with a renewed commitment to a spiritual life path that's saving my life. And, um, you know, also another thing here is, you know, the book just tells us about the deadly nature of alcoholism. And for a long time, I had a really hard problem with that, you know, transferring that same severity um, to food addiction, you know, but thank God today I do, because I know that my issue isn't where food shows up in my life. My issue is that I have a mental obsession that wants me dead. And um, either, uh, I'm not sure when the, my, my sister um, either the funeral was yesterday or the t um, today for her ex-husband. Um, it's overseas. So I'm not sure which day the funeral was or is, but um, he was 51 years old. He collapsed just two days ago and he was close to 500 pounds and died of a stroke. And it's a heartbreak that he never found his way to this program or to a higher power. And um, 
when he passed away, I mean, everybody was commenting on it and how, you know, I mean, this isn't a joke. This isn't some kind of very cool path of spiritual enlightenment. This is God in the universe calling upon me to pick up these tools that he's given me through all of you to save my life. And um, I have to remember each day, this is a deadly disease. This is a slow suicide. You know, people joke about, oh, I binged. Oh, I just had a little. No, it's not binging or just a little. It could turn into so much more than that. And um, there's a lot of heartbreak going on. There are orphans today because of this disease that are in complete, you know, emotional havoc right now. So, and a widow, it's just awful. So um, thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Rachel W. Melissa C., it's your turn. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, you know, what, what really comes into my mind is, um, you know, thinking that if um, I can avoid places and situations and, and the mention of food and the places of food, um, to ward off this problem, then I'm still looking for control. You know, those are all like man-made um, kind of barriers that um, I've tried over and over and over again, and they don't work, you know, because, um, I, you know, I think about um, like sort of locking the door. You know, I'm going to stand guard. I'm going to, you know, pull down the shutters, and I'm going to lock the door and keep the enemy out. You know, that's all the stuff around me, but I've just locked myself inside with the biggest enemy of all, and that's my mind. If it's not spiritually fit and I'm suffering with the alcoholic mind, I'm the big enemy, you know, and so um, when I'm, you know, in times when I wasn't spiritually fit, I was binging on ridiculous things initially, you know, no, those weren't necessarily my alcoholic foods, but my alcoholic mind, um, you know, can start there. And and so I I must stay in fit spiritual condition and and I'm so glad also that the question was kind of posed here about meetings um, where there is a debate about mentioning foods not mentioning foods um, you know I I part of me I love this meeting because we can mention it in in part of a very guided dialogue you know we're talking about the big book and so. We're not going to go on and on describing our binges, you know, um, because that's the parameters of our meeting. But there's, you know, face-to-face meetings I've gone to that are not big book-based and don't follow this kind of format. And and they have sometimes gone into overly descriptions of binging and food. And, you know, people are kind of laughing at it, but it's not funny and it's not a joke. And, you know, and so it was discussed at a meeting that I go to, do we talk about food or not? And it was decided not to. And for that meeting, I think it's a, I think it's a wise choice because there are people who are not spiritually fit yet. And certainly, you know, when you're in that fragile state, we need those barriers just to get us, you know, initially sober, you know, food sober. But that cannot be what we rely on um, for the long haul, especially, you know, in this part of the book when we're talking about being recovered and carrying the message. It means we have to go to those those places where food is because that's where we get to live the message. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And with that, uh, is there anyone else who would like to share on this? So we'll move on. Carolyn and Rach. Carolyn. Carolyn, I think, yep, thank you. 
Okay. Anybody out? Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't hear either one of you. Leia S. Leia. Leia S. Okay. No, somebody out. Nadia B. Nadia B. Anybody else? Martha S. All right. Let's. Martha, did you say? Yes. Martha oh. S. Okay. Martha S. All right. Let's go with that because we are getting close to time here. So, Carolyn S.H., you're up, and then it'll be Leia S. Hi. Thank you. Um, good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody. Carolyn S.H., recovered. Um, compulsive eater from Massachusetts, and um, uh, let me set my timer. Um, and it's uh, one thing that it, it's striking me today that, um, like, uh, I'm kind of vying to get on this call the same way I used to vie to get my foods, right? Like, um, uh, which is uh, kind of cool. But anyway, that's an aside. Um, uh, this paragraph is just calling so many things to mind. Um, uh, we meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. Um, I'm finding that um, God, God, higher power, um, you know, the spirit of the universe, it gives me so many, um, uh, like I, I feel like I have this huge reprieve. Like, so for me, the alcoholic mind, what that means, like, um, uh, my spiritual status, when it's at its worst, I am filled with resentment. Like I am focused on something that's bothering me. I'm blaming somebody. I'm feeling like a victim. You know, I'm in those uh, four character defects, um, resentment, self-seeking, um, selfishness, and fear. Um, and one example that jumped out at me was um, our friend Jim um, from page 36 and more about alcoholism. There's just such a great example of when he, he goes into this um, little diner um, or bar where, you know, and he's feeling anxious and irritated and um, resentful um, about a business that he used to own. And, you know, of course he's in a state, but he's not aware that he's in the state. Um, And I find that even if I have resentment, if I am, focused on my step 10, if I'm talking to God about it, if I'm willing for it to be lifted, um, the food is as far away as a thought as, as anything. Um, and for my work, anywhere, everywhere I go, there's, there are desserts and foods and like they're just catering up the wazoo everywhere. And um, there's the location I go to where there's this main area where there's always food out um and uh it's actually a place where like we all gather and get to uh, meet each other and i like to make myself accessible to to the people i'm working with and working for um so i don't and i don't need to avoid that place at all i just i go there and i stand there with my tea um and everyone else is eating and grazing and um i'm drinking tea and chatting and being of service and um and I can do that because um, if I'm focused on my recovery, if I'm focused on um, having my spiritual status um, uh, clean and me, you know, <clears throat> prioritizing my relationship to higher power, that's the only way I can do it. Uh, thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Carolyn S.H., Leia S., you're up, and then it'll be Nadia B. Thank you, Monica. This is Leia S. A recovered compulsive overeater from Brooklyn, New York. 
Um, this is a spiritual program. This is a program. What does that mean? It means a daily reprieve. It doesn't mean that I came in because I'm I'm on Weight Watchers. It be, it becomes a much more meaningful program. It is working all the steps. It is really digging in deeper and deeper. So you're also getting gratification because you're you're already abstinent and after the abstinence, you're immediately tackling whatever it is that has brought you to not be abstinent and to dig in even deeper and to deal with and to live life. And uh, those that have not gone through the spiritual experience cannot, cannot feel that gratification that there is in the 12-step program because the, it, go, it works hand in hand, and uh, it's working all of the steps. It's not just working the, the uh, physical part of it. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Leah S. Nadia B., you're up, and then it'll be Martha S. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader in Connecticut today. And uh, what a beautiful paragraph for me to remember to actually how, you know, how it was then and how it is now. Because, you know, I've gone through steps one through nine, and I'm exercising my spiritual muscle today. I'm living in 10, 11, and 12. And, you know, the steps revolutionized my life, transformed me. Um, changed me. Um, you know, I've gone through this change process um, that led me to to find a power. You know, I was powerless, and now I have some power um, to help me, you know, actually meet conditions of life every day. And, um, you know, for me, uh, you know, life is before and after um you know, the steps, I guess, um, you know, that's how I see my life today. Um, so how it was in abstinence for me, you know, plain. Nadia, we just lost you. Start one time mute, Nadia. Can you hear me, Monica? Yes, now we can. Okay. Uh, so in abstinence, I was asking my family to, you know, not bring food into the house that I craved. Uh, and, you know, I was afraid of food. I could not go to the restaurants to eat because I was always afraid of relapse because I was afraid that I would want food. I had to let Tiger out of the cage three times a day, and I felt deprived. And, you know, I felt like I was missing out on experiences in life. And so now, you know, in recovery, I enjoy preparing foods that I could not, um, you know, that I cannot eat, that I'm allergic to because I know who I am. I am a part of my family's life and, and life of my friends. Um, you know, I can meet my friends anywhere um, in the past, um, you know, year I've been to four different countries and I 
um, and I was able to eat absolutely there. I could not do it before that. Every time I went on vacation, I actually was very afraid of going on vacation and changing my environment because, um, you know, my experience was that uh, environment changes always, you know, brought me to relapse or, you know, um, even when I went on vacation, you know, I could hold up uh, for three, four days and then I would relapse on vacation. So, um, you know, what changed for me in this um, past year or so is that I stopped listening about the steps and I experienced the steps. I've done the steps. So today I can, thank you. I can keep in fit spiritual condition and, um, you know, I don't have to listen to my disease and I can experience life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. Martha S. It's your turn. Good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Martha S. in upstate New York. This is my first time sharing on the Vision for You morning meetings. I often listen to the Sunday meeting. I'm glad to be here. I wanted to share that two years ago when I started working the steps with my sponsor, I had to, I felt like I had to ask my family to literally lock up my binge foods. I had to go to extreme measures living with, you know, three people who are not on my food plan. Um, uh, but for a year now, I've been recovered. Um, I, there's all kinds of food in the house that I can't eat. Uh, I have no interest in it. I don't even see it anymore. Um, and uh, I can go to any party or any event and, and, and enjoy the people um, and not really even notice the food. So that's a huge difference. I think the difference was fully fully embracing step three and then after, um, you know, after feeling a connection with a higher power by step nine, um, living in 10, 11, and 12 every day for over a year now, that that has really deepened my recovery and um, I'm so grateful for that. And also, um, you know, now feeling more of a connection to step uh, step three than I did when I first worked through the steps. Um, um, so I meet these conditions every day, and I try to use step 10 to be aware of my alcoholic mind. How are my thoughts selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, full of fear? If they are, I need to do a 10-step Um Prayer and meditation, step 11, and working with others and, uh, and uh, living the principles. But if, if the food in the house or anywhere else starts to look attractive to me, that tells me that I need to do a 10-step. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Martha. Martha S. And thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Nancy H., would you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Sure, my pleasure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. 
We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.